0: Welcome to Animals Today, your home for a series talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. These are stressful times, aren't they? I know you're feeling it too. This pandemic has upended life as we know it. Too many lives have been lost during this outbreak. Workers are struggling with the economic impact of the pandemic as millions of Americans are finding themselves without a job. People who have always worked so hard to support themselves and their families now suddenly worried about how they're going to feed their families and whether or not they'll be able to make the next rent or mortgage payment. And we're so grateful to the medical and health care workers and other essential workers on the front lines, risking their own lives to save others. Most of us are doing what we can to avoid getting sick. We're taking all the necessary precautions, being responsible to protect ourselves and our loved ones and our friends and neighbors and our fellow Americans. And as we see more and more protests and violations of orders that have been placed upon us, it makes me think about how our own personal rights are in conflict with the well-being of others, right? I mean, many of these measures and orders violate our individual freedom and civil liberties, like restrictions on freedoms as basic as leaving your own home or running your own business or playing at parks or going to movie theaters or restaurants or gathering for worship or a loved one's funeral or having non-essential surgeries. Who's to say what's non-essential? I've been waiting two months to fix a bad tooth in my mouth. I guess that's a trade-off to protect human life. But this is an additional and real stressor, feeling a loss of our personal liberties. According to a Hill-Harris X poll released a couple weeks ago, 74% of respondents said they fear losing liberties as a result of the pandemic. And at this point in time, the future is uncertain. Doctors are talking about another wave of coronavirus hitting the United States in the fall. And how is all this gonna transform our daily lives in the long run? So fear, anxiety, depression, we're feeling it. But what effect does all of this have on our pets? Specifically, what effect does the way you are feeling in your stress level and anxiety have on your pets? One of our dogs, Cosmo, is so sensitive to my and Peter's feelings and emotions. He just seems to recognize and understand our emotions and what they mean. He knows when I'm feeling sick or sad. He knows when I'm upset. And then I see him and notice that he's upset. And he'll be curled up on his dog bed and he looks disturbed and worried because of me and how I'm feeling. I'm sure you've experienced this with one or more of your pets, right? In fact, research shows dogs can sense your emotions and read your facial expressions. So for sure, our pets pick up on our stress and anxiety and become anxious themselves. Try to keep in mind that while these are very hard times, we love our pets and we don't want to stress them out. So let's talk today about what we can do to keep our pets healthy and happy during the COVID-19 crisis. And later in the show, I'm going to talk about what you can do now to prepare our pets for our return to a normal routine. So keeping your pets happy and healthy during these stressful times. The best thing you can do for your pet is provide them with physical and mental stimulation. You don't want them to get bored. So something you guys already figured out, go on regular walks with your dogs Not only is it good exercise for you and your dog, but your dog's walk provides structure and offers the routine he likes and he's used to. And continue to be smart about it, unlike my neighbor who decided the other day it was okay to walk his dog on the hot asphalt in the middle of the day when it was 107 degrees outside. But exercise is key. Walking outside, if you have a fenced-in yard and your dog likes to play fetch, this is a great way to get some exercise and interact with your dog. If the weather's not conducive for a walk or playing outside, schedule a couple 15-minute time slots each day to walk briskly through your home, condo, or apartment with your dog. Play tag or chase with your dog's favorite toy. You can do this anywhere. This will get you moving as well. Throw the toy, then you race your dog to see who gets it first. If you have stairs, hide treats or a favorite dog toy at the top of the stairway for your dog so he will be encouraged to go up the stairs. I like to combine commands my dog already knows with him running up the stairs to get his treat. So he sits and stays and then I give him the okay to run up the stairs and he gets his treat or toy. He loves that game. If your dog has mobility issues, modify the activity to suit him. And offer your older dog or your dog who can't get around so easily mental stimulation. So we all know how important physical exercise is for our pets, not only to help maintain a healthy weight, but for overall well-being. But sometimes we forget about the importance of mental stimulation. Mental stimulation is absolutely critical no matter the dog's age. Many studies have suggested that lack of mental stimulation in animals is closely related to problematic behaviors and can contribute to severe anxiety, depression, and stress. And it's been shown that proper mental stimulation can make your dog less fearful, less stressed, and less anxious. So exercise your dog's mind. And you'll find that when your dog's brain is stimulated by an activity that requires him to concentrate and solve things and process information, he's going to get tired. Concentrating and problem solving are tiring. Games and puzzles, great for mental stimulation. And the key here is to start with games your dog will master. The last thing you want is your dog to lose interest and walk away, that would just defeat your whole purpose. There are a lot of different clever puzzle type toys you can purchase online, but you can also start now with materials you might have at home. For example, while your dog is somewhere else, arrange some of your empty boxes on the floor in a designated room in your home and hide treats in some of the boxes. Then allow your dog to come in the room and let him sniff out which boxes contain the hidden treats. That's fun. If your home is anything like mine, chances are you've been doing a lot of online ordering over the past month or so and have a bunch of these boxes. So rearrange the boxes or add boxes, place the treats in a few of these for another round of this game. And here's another great puzzle for your dog. Get an empty cupcake baking tray and 12 tennis balls. And if you don't have 12 tennis balls, use as many as you have. Place treats or even pieces of dry dog food into some, not all, of the baking tray cups. Then cover all the cups with the tennis balls. Now the puzzle's ready. Show the tray to your dog and see how long it takes him to move the correct balls in order to find the hidden treats. Also, something Peter and I discovered a few years ago are the slow feeders. Do you guys know what these are? Slow feeder bowls, I think they're called. They have ridges or barriers that break up the bowl's surface area. Looks like a little maze. And you place your dog's food, and this is at mealtime, so it could be dry food, could be wet food, any food, break it up, place it in a slow feeder bowl, and then they have to work to get at their meal. Prior to discovering these, we would give our dogs their meals in regular dog bowls, and they would eat so fast, swallowing their food without chewing it, and they'd be done with their meal in less than two minutes. With these slow feeder bowls, it now takes our dogs maybe 10, 15 minutes to finish a meal. These bowls force the dogs to take smaller bites, thus they eat slower. And they're obviously designed to alleviate the health issues associated with fast eating. So it forces the dog to slow down and fully chew the food, which is much better for digestion. It helps prevent bloat. Gas, regurgitation, less chance of choking, and overall better gut health. And it's mentally stimulating for the dogs. And they like it. It's like a puzzle and it's fun for them. So if your dog eats his meals way too fast and or just to add another way to mentally stimulate your dog, I strongly recommend these. And there's a variety of shapes and sizes to choose from online. Okay, so more fun ideas on how to keep your dog mentally stimulated reinforce some basic training commands or teach them new tricks come stay sit give me a paw i don't know maybe your dog is already an expert on these basic commands so perhaps spend some time working on more advanced tricks like roll over or speak or high five Teaching new tricks is a great form of mental stimulation and it's gonna strengthen your bond and your communication skills with your dog. And of course your dog will love being rewarded and praised for learning new behaviors. And it's a good idea to keep training sessions to no more than 15 to 20 minutes at a time and end each training session on a positive note. Even if he doesn't learn or master the trick you wanna teach him, give him a treat for his efforts and make him feel like he's accomplished something so he can look forward to the next session. Other things you can do to keep your dogs occupied and happy, make them a frozen treat. This is a good one as the weather's getting warmer. So you freeze either chicken broth or beef broth in popsicle molds or drinking cups. Just remember to make sure you use low-sodium broth that doesn't contain extra spices. Some broths already have added garlic and onion, both of which are harmful to dogs, so make sure you check the labels. Once the broth popsicles are frozen, remove them from the popsicle molds or drinking cups, then watch your dog enjoy it. Okay, and I like this one. You can also make popsicles. okay, that's clever, by freezing combinations of peanut butter, bananas, and kibble in ice cube trays with carrot stick handles. Remember to always supervise your dogs as he enjoys any of these treats. And anytime we're talking about treats, I'd like to remind you of something my veterinary dentist told me, and that is if you can't indent the treat or toy with your fingernail, it's too hard for your dog to chew. Don't give it to him. It can cause dental problems, broken teeth, subsequent infections, and other bad, painful mouth problems. So make sure you can indent that toy or treat with your fingernail before giving it to your dog. And with any of these ideas I'm mentioning, obviously you guys know your dogs better than anyone Use discretion. You'll know if it's a good idea for your dog. You know what we do for our dogs since they're powerful chewers? We stuff Kong toys. These are very durable toys with hollow centers with low sodium peanut butter or canned pumpkin and then we freeze it and they just love it and keeps them entertained for a while. Make sure the peanut butter is all natural, you know, just peanuts, and make sure it doesn't contain any added salt or artificial sweeteners like xylitol, very toxic to dogs. Also with the pumpkin, same thing. Make sure it's 100% pumpkin. Now, a friend of mine just told me about dog TV. Have you heard of that? It's a streaming website and it offers a 30-day free trial when you sign up for a subscription. It has cute dogs and how-to videos and soothing music. I don't know, she says her dog is completely entertained by it. Okay, when we come back, we're moving on to cats and ways to keep them mentally and physically stimulated. Don't go away, you're listening to Animals Today.
1: the sound of a dog whose vocal cords were cut just to stifle her voice? It's called devocalization, and it's done to cats as well. Devocalized animals rasp and wheeze, cough and gag for the rest of their lives. Some are rendered mute. And for what? So a commercial or hobby breeder can keep many animals without having to listen to them? So show dogs will be quiet during transit between shows or in the ring? So an irresponsible pet owner can leave a dog alone for hours every day? Animals Today says, Shame on anyone who would have a dog or cat devocalized, and shame on the veterinarians who perform this unnecessary, inhumane surgery on them. Please speak out against devocalization of dogs and cats. Use your voice to protect theirs. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at AIAnimals.org. That's AIAnimals.org.
0: the show okay we just got through talking about ways to keep your dog mentally and physically stimulated during this crisis let's move on to cats because it's very important to keep these instinctively wild animals physically and mentally stimulated as well if you have a cat you already know that most cats love playing in bags and boxes let them at your empty amazon packages If your cat enjoys wrestling around inside paper bags, try taking a brown paper bag and sticking some catnip inside. You can also try making an old cat toy new and exciting by spraying it with little catnip spray. Here's an easy one. Take the cardboard tube that's in the center of toilet paper or paper towels and put a few cat treats in them, lay it on the floor and let your cat fish for them. You can also find great puzzles for cats online or in pet stores. And this is great, you gotta check out the YouTube videos online on how to clicker train your cat. You'll be amazed the tricks a cat can learn by clicker training. So that might be fun for your cat and you. A laser pointer is also great mental and physical stimulation for cats. Remember never to shine it directly into eyes. And I just learned there are several apps you can download that will turn your phone into a laser pointer. That's pretty cool. The iTunes store also has apps for iPhones and iPads such as Cat. Teaser sounds, butterfly games for cats, a games for cats app, dog training clicker, dog whistle training, and many more. We know cats love to hide, climb, and perch. You can make all sorts of things for your cat to climb on or even hide in by simply draping a blanket over a box or boxes. There are several websites that give detailed instructions on how to make your own cat furniture. That's fun. Simply do an internet search on how do I make cat furniture. You can also find some creative do-it-yourself ideas on Pinterest. We also know that cats love to watch birds. Why not place a bird feeder outside a window where your cat can sit and watch the birds? And added bonus is you'll have the pleasure of watching them too. And if you want to get fancier, you can buy or build a window perch for your cat. This will not only give your cat a better view, but it will provide a peaceful spot for feline sunbathing. Cats love anything they can bat and chase, so make cat toys out of anything that can dangle or hang. Then hang homemade cat toys from doorknobs or other places you want your cat to focus her energy on. Here's a great activity that would benefit everyone, adults, children, canines, and felines. How about reading or singing aloud to your pets and having your children join in? The pets would love it, and with students missing so much face-to-face learning time, it'd be great hands-on activity for them. Did you know that research shows that when you're reading to pets, children achieve higher end of year reading scores and improve reading rates, accuracy, fluency, and comprehension. Many children also find it easier to stay on task when they're sitting with a companion animal. If you're feeling stressed out over the coronavirus crisis, you're not alone, but just keep in mind your pets are sensing your stress and that can make them feel anxious too. We love our pets. We don't want to stress them out. So we're going to make sure we keep them happy and mentally and physically healthy during this particularly stressful time and always. Later in the show, our pets have become accustomed to having their guardians around all day long, and that might end very soon. What can you do now to avoid or minimize any issues such as separation anxiety? Don't go away. You're listening to Animals Today. Hi, I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner, and your Animals Today Minute for today is about the American bison. These large, majestic animals, along with the bald eagle, serve as an official symbol of the United States. In prehistoric times, millions of bison roamed the continent along with large cats and woolly mammoths. However, by the late 1800s, as the U.S. inhabitants moved west, the bison population was nearly wiped out. This is because the settlers slaughtered bison for sport and their hides, as well as to clear the plains for livestock. Native Americans use bison for everything, from food and clothing to shelter and tools. According to the National Wildlife Federation, it's estimated that before the expansion west, between 30 million and 60 million bison roamed the area, from Canada to northern Mexico and from the plains to the eastern forests. However, by 1890, less than 1,000 bison remained. Thanks to a few private individuals, in conjunction with tribes, states, and the Department of the Interior, bison were saved from extinction. Bison are North America's largest native land animals. A full-grown male, a bull, can weigh up to 2,000 pounds and reach a height of 6 feet tall. A fully-grown female, a cow, can weigh as much as 1,000 pounds and stand 4 to 5 feet tall. Bison calves weigh anywhere between 30 and 70 pounds at birth. The average lifespan of the bison is approximately 20 years. Sometimes confused with each other, bison are completely different from buffalo, although there may be some resemblance. Buffalo originate in Africa and Asia, have large sets of horns, and lack the massive shoulder hump characteristic of bison. The bison is a fascinating animal that has a long history in the United States. In fact, this large mammal helped to create habitats on the Great Plains for a variety of species, including birds and many plant species. This is because, as bison forage, they aerate the soil with their hooves. This aids in plant growth and disperses native seeds, all of which help to maintain a healthy and balanced ecosystem. Now, that large hump on a bison's back, it's a powerful muscular structure supported by a large vertebrae, which can be up to two feet long. These powerful muscles permit the animal to forcibly move its head side to side. So in deep snow, a path can be made. It's like a built-in snowplow. Here's another intriguing bison fact. It's possible to tell the mood of a bison by its tail. If its tail is hanging down and moving from side to side in a natural motion, this generally means the animal is calm. However, if the bison's tail is standing straight up, you don't want to be anywhere in its path, as this often indicates it's ready to charge. And despite their massive size, these animals can run at speeds of 40 miles per hour. They're also extremely agile and can jump up to 6 feet high, as well as spin around quickly. This has served them well in fighting off predators, Of course, their sheer size alone presents a strong deterrent. In the bison behavior known as wallowing, they roll around in the dirt to drive away flies and help shed fur. Male bison also wallow during mating season to leave behind their scent and display their strength. Speaking of mating, the females and males generally live in small, separate bands and come together in large herds in the summer, which is the mating season. Bison are grazers and they eat grasses, herbs, shrubs, and twigs. They regurgitate their food and chew on it as cud before finally digesting it. Another interesting fact is that bison are nearsighted. To make up for it, they have excellent senses of smell and hearing. Yellowstone National Park is the only place in the United States where bison have continuously lived since prehistoric times. According to the National Park Service, as of July 2015, Yellowstone's bison population was estimated at 4,900, making it the largest bison population on public lands. The Yellowstone herd is one of the few that remains genetically free of cattle genes. In 1905, the American Bison Society was formed. By 1930, the society had enough bison to restore a free-ranging bison herd. Working with the Department of the Interior, they donated 14 bison to Wind Cave National Park in South Dakota. More than 100 years later, the bison from Wind Cave helped to reestablish other herds across the United States. On May 9, 2016, President Obama signed the National Bison Legacy Act into law, officially making the American bison the national mammal of the United States. And that was today's Animals Today Minute. Welcome back to Animals Today! Most of us have been under state home orders for nearly two months now, and with our homes becoming our home offices, our schools, our gyms, and our safe places, the new normal has meant round-the-clock togetherness amongst family members, including our pets. But have you thought about how returning to your normal routine will impact your animals? Most pets don't like sudden and abrupt changes, and soon life is gonna require leaving our homes for longer periods of time, and perhaps for the majority of the day. So what can we do now to prepare our pets when life is back to some kind of normalcy, and to avoid or minimize any issues such as separation anxiety? One thing we can do while we're home that's key to preparing for our return to a normal schedule is setting up a routine for our pets. Dogs and cats like their routine. We know that. So the goal is to gradually transition to a schedule that closely mirrors the schedule you and your pet will have when your life is somewhat structured again. So for example, during this lockdown, you might've been taking walks with your dog several times a day. Well, start transitioning to what you think you'll be doing when you go back to work or school or those things you'll be doing out of the house and away from your animals. For our family, it's gonna mean getting the dogs nicely walked and exercised and tired in the mornings before we leave for work. And same goes for your dog's eating schedule and play schedule. We're gonna have to start giving our dogs their breakfast an hour or two earlier than what we've been doing in the past several weeks. And the same thing goes for cats. Make whatever adjustments to your cat's routine while you're home now, so those can be sustainable when you go back to work. If you started feeding your cat four times a day while you're home during this lockdown, start cutting it back to what's doable when you're back on a regular schedule. And being vigilant about that schedule will really minimize any issues when life is back to normal again. Also, create a safe, comfortable place where your pet can have peaceful, relaxing alone time. You know best where your dog likes to retreat to. Could be his crate, his dog bed, your bed, a favorite blanket, a quiet room in the house, this will be your dog's safe and quiet place where you can place him and he can choose to go on his own and feel safe and relaxed. You can place enrichment activities that can be enjoyed independently, such as food puzzles or or stuffed Kong toy on your dog's safe place. And start now, put your dog in this place for say 15 minutes a day and work up to 15 minutes twice a day. And what's important is, In your dog's mind, this is his place where he feels safe and calm, and it's not a place of punishment. By giving your dog time in his place and not clinging to you when you're home, he'll not associate it with your departure or your family's departure. So let's talk about the act of leaving the house because disassociating certain cues with your departure is really key here. Your animals are smart. And they cue into certain routines and behaviors which they associate with being left alone. For example, if you're in the habit of grabbing your keys off the key hook, or in our house we typically put our shoes on near the front door before we exit, and our dogs know, okay, shoes on, sound of car keys, means mommy or daddy are leaving the house and I'm going to be left alone. And this can cause our pets to become nervous even before you leave the house because your pets recognize these behaviors as part of your routine and that signals to them you're gonna be leaving the house. So you wanna disassociate these tasks from you leaving the house by making them a part of your daily routine now, regardless of whether or not you're leaving the house. So walk around your house, keep moving your keys from one location to another, put on a jacket, take it off, put your shoes near the door, wait a while, put them on, take them off, place them by the door again, eventually, Your pet will become used to these behaviors and not automatically make this connection that, okay, sound of car keys means mommy's leaving me. And then ease your pet into the idea of you leaving the house. Leave your pet alone for a short amount of time. I'm talking minutes. The ASPCA recommends planning your absences to be shorter than the amount of time it takes for your pet to become upset or anxious and slowly increase the amount of time you're away. You want him to learn he can feel fine and calm when he's alone because he knows you're coming back. So before you leave... Have your pet go to his or her safe comfy place and you can play soothing music or keep the tv on and this might serve to keep your dogs from being startled by outside noises white noise machines might be useful as well they make some that give you the option to select from several calming sounds or maybe during this time you've gotten used to keeping the tv on all day in the background so you might want to consider keeping the tv on when you leave the house since it provides your animals something to listen to that's familiar to them so your dog's in his place you leave the house even just for a few minutes if your dog barks or paws at the door when you leave come back only when the dog's quiet but like i said you really want to start out to be away shorter than the time it takes for your pet to become panicky or upset and then gradually increase the time you're away go for a walk without your dog drive your car to a pretty spot somewhere and read a book for an hour get dressed as if you're going to work and drive to pick up a cup of coffee for yourself or run an errand. And if your dog still has trouble being alone for even brief periods of time, you might want to consult a certified separation anxiety trainer. Yes, there's such a thing. And many trainers will do virtual consultations as well. Another good thing, start to reward your dog for calm, independent behavior, especially if he or she is usually clingy. We tend to pay attention to dogs only when they're active or even misbehaving, and they should be rewarded for being calm and chilled. If we only react to the behavior we don't want, we are reinforcing the idea that negative attention is better than no attention. And here's another helpful tip that my guest on the show last week, Larissa Wall, offered us, which is definitely one I need to work on. Try not to make an unnecessary dramatic production about you leaving. This will trigger their anxiety. We kiss our animals before we leave. We look sad. They sense we don't want to leave them. And then when we return, and I'm so guilty of this, we're all so excited. Our voices go up. We show them how much we miss them. They're jumping on us. We're kissing them. We're smothering them. Try to tone this entire process down. It's hard, but it does seem logical. And from what I read, this behavior that we do and can control really can be an anxiety trigger for your animal. So, don't make it a big deal when you leave. Make sure your dog's in a safe location. Bye-bye, see you later, I love you. Walk out, close the door, stay outside for a few minutes, and if the dog's quiet, walk back in. Just ignore your dog, no big deal. Mommy just left, mommy came back. No screechy voices, and everyone survived. Everyone's still okay. Do this a few times a day now and work up to being gone for longer stretches of time. They'll get used to you being gone and they'll learn to be fine and feel relatively calm when you're gone. And you can even associate your departure with something positive. Give your dog something fun or special that he only gets when you leave the house. Like try a special high-value dog treat that you only give him just before you leave. And then of course, you know this, if your schedule requires that you'll be out of the house, long hours each day, and you really don't wanna leave your pet alone all day, every day, consider doggy daycare centers where your dog will have an opportunity to socialize with other pets. And you can also hire a professional to come in and walk and play with your pets. Another option is to have someone come and stay with your pets. And if you decide to do this, take your time and select the right person for the job. You need someone who will tailor their time and approach the individual needs of your dog. Not someone who's going to stop by for five minutes and dump some kibble in a bowl. But now would be the time to start interviewing doggy daycare or dog walkers. Many of these businesses have been temporarily closed, but you can still contact them by phone. And this way you can take your time to make sure you find the right fit. Most pets don't like changes in their routine. Some discomfort, some nervousness, and a little bit of anxiety is normal. However, transitioning them now will hopefully prevent or minimize these behaviors and can really save you from having to deal with a pet who has full-blown separation anxiety later. So what is separation anxiety? If you haven't experienced a dog with separation anxiety, it really can be so upsetting and distressing for the dog. So just like it sounds, separation anxiety is when dogs become extremely anxious when their people are away. It's a psychological disorder of hyper-attachment that manifests as barking, crying, urination, defecation, and other destructive behaviors when the dog is left alone in the house. And it's triggered when dogs become upset because of separation from their guardians, the people they are attached to. Some common signs of separation anxiety are barking, howling, or whining when you leave. Some dogs with separation anxiety will urinate or defecate in the house. Some dogs with separation anxiety will dig and chew, particularly at entrances and exits such as door frames or window sills or doors and doorways. Not only is this destructive to the home, but these behaviors can result in self-injury such as broken teeth, cut and scraped paws, and damaged nails. According to the ASPCA, a dog with separation anxiety might try to escape from an area where he's confined when he's left alone or separated from his guardian. Escape attempts by dogs with separation anxiety can often be extreme and can result in self-injury and household destruction, especially around exit points like windows and doors. Some dogs will pace. They'll move around in circles or pace back and forth. And this is a sign you might not know about because it usually doesn't occur when the guardian is around. Dogs with separation anxiety can develop obsessive behaviors like over grooming or other self-harming behaviors. Your pet's appetite might change. If you believe your dog has separation anxiety, ASPCA strongly recommends you consult with a professional certified animal behaviorist. Okay, here are some tips for cat owners who will be returning to a more normal schedule. Engage your cat with a wand toy at least once a day. Interactive toys are a great way to exercise your cat. Keeps them stimulated. It's great for bonding with your cat. There are a lot of puzzle feeding systems online for your cat. I love these. Cats instinctively want to forage for their food. And puzzle feeders satisfy that instinct while providing fantastic enrichment during alone time. And just like dogs, cats feed off people's emotions. Cats can sense when you're sad or stressed. He takes cues from the energy you give off. So when it's time to go back to work, making a big dramatic scene as you leave is only going to make them feel more stressed. Instead, Maintain a happy, light tone and give the cat a little treat as you leave. This will keep his spirits up. You know, one more thing I want to add. Depending on the personality of your cat and how social your cat wants to be, you might want to consider adopting another cat. I know this doesn't work for all families and all cat personality types, but for some, it can turn an anxious, lonely cat who might be exhibiting destructive behaviors like not using their litter box into a cat that is happy and content and who just wanted the company of another feline friend. And of course, the same might also apply to a dog who would prefer having another canine companion to keep him company while you're away. So getting back to our normal daily routines will be an adjustment for everyone, humans and pets alike. The calmer we approach the changing circumstances, the calmer our pets will be. I hope this was helpful. Okay, don't go away. More with the show right after the break. Welcome back to Animals Today. Hey, Peter so summer is approaching do you worry about going in the ocean
2: oh uh i worry about jellyfish
0: you worry about jellyfish do you worry Jelly about guys?
2: sharks no i don't worry about sharks maybe i should
0: i want to know how much you know about sharks okay not let's much. see
2: i'm gonna just tell you not much
0: i have a quiz for you yes all about sharks okay ready Peter, true or false? You have a greater chance of being struck dead by lightning than being killed by a shark attack.
2: Mm, I'm going to say that is true.
0: That is true. About 30 people die during shark attacks each year. But it is true. For every one human killed by a shark, how many sharks are killed by humans? 200,000, a half a million, or 2 million? 2 million. That's correct. Yeah. For every human killed by a shark, 2 million sharks. Are killed by humans. Isn't that sad? Yes. Scientists used to, I I don't know if they still do, but they used to study shark cartilage to research possible cures for what?
2: For arthritis? Cancer. Oh, yeah.
0: Scientists study shark cartilage to research possible cures for cancer because sharks rarely ever develop cancer.
2: Yeah, it didn't work out so
0: well. Right. What is the world's largest shark? The great white shark, tiger shark, whale shark?
2: Pretty sure that's the whale
0: shark. Very good. It can grow up to 50 feet long and weigh more than 40,000 pounds. True or false? Sharks have an acute sense of hearing.
2: Oh, hearing.
0: That's true. True is correct. Some sharks can hear prey from up to 3,000 feet away. Sharks lose a lot of teeth and grow them back quickly. So how many teeth do you think sharks go through in a lifetime?
2: Okay, I'm going to guess about 500 Teeth per life?
0: 30,000. Oh my goodness. The average shark has 40 to 45 teeth and can have up to seven rows of replacement teeth. So, if you're
2: one of those people who likes to wear a shark's tooth around your neck like it's something special, it really isn't. They're
0: all over the place. How many bones do sharks have in their body? Oh, I think I know they don't have any bone. Did you know they're classified as vertebrates? Well, yeah. Okay. Isn't that interesting, though? Okay. Vertebrate means you have a bony skeleton, right? Oh, that's a good paradox there. I wonder how that slid through. The term cartilaginous fish means that the structure of the animal's body is formed of cartilage instead of bone. They don't have a bony skeleton like many other fish do. Peter, did sharks inhabit the earth before, during, or after the dinosaurs appeared? Before. How did you know what I was going to ask?
2: i i know it how did i know i I just said
0: before the
2: i know before the planet of the apes (laughs) 400 million years ago
0: sharks inhabited the earth 200 million million years years. before the dinosaurs appeared and have changed only minimally during that time i know that's really amazing it's incredible what percent of shark attack victims are men Oh, uh, how do they taste? Let's see. I, if I was
2: a shark, uh, I'm going to say that ni- 85% are men. How do they taste?
0: Is that <laughs> <laughs> Men taste so much better than women. Yes, 90%. Yeah. Despite the fact that almost equal amount of men and women swim in the ocean, men account for nearly 90% of shark attack victims. Mm-hmm. Do you think most shark attacks occur in relatively shallow waters or deep waters?
2: I'll say the shallow waters. Yep.
0: Okay. About two-thirds of shark attacks on humans have occurred in less than six feet of water. Hmm. Do sharks lay eggs or give birth to live young? Okay, live birth. It's actually both. Oh, explain. Some, shark, some sharks lay eggs, others give birth to live young. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. True or false? The film Jaws, though heavily fictionalized was based on a real incident in 1916 where four people were killed by a shark off the coast of New Jersey. Okay, that
2: story, I'm going to say that's a true story. It
0: is true. Did you know that though? No. no. Yeah, I didn't either.
2: Better get a bigger boat remember that line
0: yes oh my god is that how
2: is that was that the exact line i I don't know i can't remember but there's some where you're gonna need a bigger yeah yeah
0: (laughs) after they first spotted jaws yeah there's a few pretty intense moments in that movie
2: i know and not the fake thing coming out of the water that's supposed to be a shark though that was pretty (laughs) (laughs) old-fashioned
0: the cookie cutter shark is named after what
2: Cookie cutter sh I don't know. oh oh is this the shape that it leaves in your yes. in your body after it takes a bite out of <laughs> you?
0: <Yes. laughs> that's good. That's Did horrible. you know that or was no, that just, just like a, an educated guess? Oh that's a horrible thing. <laughs> I know. Oh. You get bitten by a shark. Oh, this must be oh, a cookie Oh look my cookie got
2: cookie cutter don't piranhas leave a Certain shape when can, they take a little bite out of your I can flesh ice cream also. scoop, or... little. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. They do. I, you asked. I'm not going in the ocean. This, this okay. year. I don't care. I don't. I'm not going in deep water or shallow water or anything. I'm just gonna stay by the cocktail lounge.
0: <laughs> You're gonna stay in the waiting pool with I, cocktail in each hand.
2: <laughs> waiting pools are pretty dangerous too. If you know what I mean. <laughs>
0: True or false? Some sharks can live in both salt and fresh water. I'm going to say that's true. That's true. Bull sharks can live in both salt and fresh water by regulating the substances in their blood.
2: Yeah, that ability is just the most amazing thing to think about.
0: That's it, Peter. You did pretty good.
2: Okay. Thank you.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner, and this Animals Today Minute is about dog bites and how to avoid and prevent them. According to the CDC, approximately 4.5 million dog bites on people occur yearly. That means about 1 in 72 people get bitten each year by dogs. Now, we all love our dogs, but it's smart to know some of the facts about bites. National Dog Bite Prevention Week takes place during the second full week of April each year and focuses on educating people about preventing dog bites. According to the AVMA, most, if not all, bites can be prevented. By far, children are the most common victims of dog bites, followed by the elderly and, yes, postal carriers. We all know that the medical consequences of bites can be serious, like causing infections, causing severe pain, requiring surgery, causing disfigurement, and so on. The American Society of Plastic Surgeons reported that nearly 29,000 reconstructive procedures were performed in 2016 for injuries caused by dog bites. And dog bites often result in homeowners' insurance claims. According to the data of the Insurance Information Institute, there were more than 18,000 dog bite insurance claims in 2017, with the average cost paid out per claim being about $37,000. When dogs bite, it is usually in response to something like the dog being stressed, scared, startled, or threatened. So the situations need to be managed by us people. And dog owners should properly socialize their pets. There's lots of information online about how to do that. And duh, we should keep our dogs on leashes when they're out. And choose the right dog for your family. And of course, make sure they're fixed, do appropriate obedience training, and keep them well exercised. Remember, a tired dog is a happy dog. A few especially risky situations have been identified, including when the dog is not with its owner, when the dog is with its owner, but the owner has not given permission to pet the dog, injured or sick dogs, dogs that are sleeping or eating, and growling and barking dogs. There are other common sense things to do to avoid bites, like avoiding placing one's hand through a fence where a dog is on the other side, and allowing dogs who want to be left alone their space. It bears repeating that far and away, most people who are bitten by dogs are children, so parents and dog guardians keep that in mind when they're near each other. Everyone agrees, even though dogs are man's best friend, there are too many people getting bitten by dogs. Do your part to make avoidable dog bites a rare occurrence. And that's your Animals Today Minute for today. And this is Dr. Lori Kirshner, encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals.